Hey, this is Connor with Conquest HP, and this post is called Cutting the Toxicity from Your Life, Ignoring the Poison. Here we go. It's fashionable these days to proclaim yourself a toxin-free zone. To become such a zone, one must actively find actors or forces in their life. They must label these inputs toxic, then they must cut them out. This is how we become toxin-free. You may feel the barometric pressure changing. Maybe you see the clouds fermenting. You may sense that I'm about to rain on your good vibes only parade yet again. If you're sensing this, your weather detection systems are uncanny. I don't spend much time on Instagram, but the time I do spend there is a bit much. More than ever, I'm being bombarded with memes and quotes suggesting that it's cool to cut things out of your life if they're unpleasant for you. The story in these memes goes a little like this. I'm just an innocent person trying to do my best, and I'm surrounded by malicious, toxic people who want to hold me down, obscure my shine, and kill my vibe. It's too hard to feel good and do good with these people around, so I need to cut them out. What a world to live in. I will totally agree with you in one thing. There are lots of assholes out there. Lots of mean-spirited people, lots of downtrodden innocents lashing out. I'll grant you that. These people are just like you and me, and I work hard to remember that. The guy that cuts me off in traffic, I'm that guy. If I spill my morning coffee, the dog messes in the house, and I'm, I'm late for work, I'm that guy. At least, I could be that guy. If my morning goes perfectly well, I won't be that guy. When you aren't that guy, it's easy to write that guy off. He's just an asshole. This is just lazy thinking, and it's not true. It's not as though one day, as a human being, you earn the designation of asshole, and that's just the way you have to be henceforth for all moments to come. That's obviously a stupid way to look at the issue. It's better to look at these... It's better to look at these bad and good acts as behaviors, not personalities. I can behave like a saint or behave like an asshole, and so can you. Will Ferrell, the great philosopher, captures this idea well, and here's a picture of Will, and he's got an excellent quote. Quote, Before you marry a person, you should make them use a computer with a slow internet connection to see who they really are. End quote. Gotta love that. So true. To reveal your true character. Circumstances matter. Because people get bored if I don't put in enough headings and subheadings, let me count the reasons I hate this methodology in sections. Should you cut toxic people and things out of your life? Well, you're just going to have to read on to find out, aren't you? Possibility numero uno. You're the asshole. This is my favorite possibility for several reasons. Number one, it's hilarious. Number two, it flips the script on toxin haters. Number three, it can be a game changer. There's an ongoing debate in the dog ownership world, one which is scientifically settled long ago. Dog owners tend to think that dogs feel shame. If the dog poops in the house when you're gone and you come home, they have their ears down and they're holding their deep regrets over their past actions. 
Though pretty much every dog owner thinks this is how dogs work, it isn't. Dogs don't have the psychological hardware to feel guilt or shame. It doesn't matter if there's a guilty look on Fluffy's face. That's your, oh, I gotta slow this down. That's your anthropomorphization at work. That's so much easier to type than it is to, to speak out loud. That isn't an actual face you see in the clouds either. Point being, there's a better explanation. Fluffy can read you like a book. He may not have the complex emotional hardware, but he has senses we can only dream of. Before you even see him, he's read your posture, your gait, your pace, your facial expression, and a dozen other indicators. He knows if you're happy or pissed or whatever. He probably knows better than you do. If you've come home to a mess before, or chewed furniture, or whatever, Fluffy knows what look to look out for. He knows when a storm is coming. So if you're in a mood and you're coming home expecting a poop on the rug, Fluffy's reading the fact that you're about to be really pissed at him. It isn't guilt or shame. He's reading your negative emotions, posture, and so forth. Now assume for a moment that you can prime yourself the same way with everyone in your life. Bob, at the office, was an asshole to you the first time you met him. The second time you talked to him, you had your hackles up. You were a little more unpleasant to him than he'd be your grandma or your neighbor. In this instance, Bob read your hackles and responded in kind. And now you both always have your hackles up when you see each other. Every interaction is negative as shit. You, the innocent protagonist in your own story, can't be wrong. So we can safely assume that you're good and Bob is evil, toxic or negative, right? Every interaction with him is negative, after all. All it takes is one postural or facial expression misread. Just one sour tone of voice, one harsh inflection, one ounce of something potentially negative can get your hackles up with someone, and the cycle begins. You can quickly decide that the person is toxic or negative. It may be more true to suggest that you read them negatively, then they got a negative vibe from you, then on we went down the path until you think you dislike each other, or you end up actually treating each other poorly. This can happen with Bob, it can happen with other cars in traffic, it can happen with your partner or your spouse. You know it can. This idea is summed up nicely in a quote from the fictional character Raylan Givens. Quote, if you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. End quote. I can't help but laugh out loud every time I read this quote, because I think it's hilarious. It's a hilarious work of art. This is especially true in the age of everyone looking to protect their own energy, defend their own truth, as though truth is subjective. Another laugh out loud there. And in the age of not giving any fucks. I'm not saying you're an asshole. I'm just saying you should consider the possibility. Especially if there's a track record of relationship train wrecks there. What are the odds you just have bad luck? It's like the guy-gal that tries but can't stay in a relationship. And ends every relationship suggesting the other person was crazy, manipulative, or toxic. What are the odds that everyone you cho you've chosen is like that? Are you choosing them intentionally? Or are you bringing that out in them? 
for example of the opposite, I bet you can call to mind someone who's always positive, always pleasant, and always fun to be around. How many assholes do you think that person runs into? Doesn't it seem like they get along with everyone? Okay, here's number two here, number two, subsection. Being a child doesn't work as an adult. Have you ever seen what kids do when they're scared? In the moment, they avert their gaze. They look away, they cover their eyes, they leave the room. If they build an association, maybe they'll know how to avoid the scary thing in the future. Kids are kids. They may learn to become brave or courageous over time. As kids, though, they're cowards. They see something scary or uncomfortable, and they don't want to be around it. Period. We're supposed to grow out of this, but it seems popular these days to revert back to childhood cowardice. As an adult cutting toxic people out of your life, how are you doing anything other than covering your eyes and hoping the discomfort doesn't show up again? Let's start small and transition to ridiculous here. If you if you are unpleasant to deal with, maybe I can just avoid you altogether. Avoidance isn't a particular noble, bold, or admirable or admirable strategy. But maybe one day I just don't feel up to dealing with you. Remember to read point number one above and make sure you aren't the asshole first before proceeding any further with this example. Sometimes I make myself laugh here. Maybe I have some success in avoiding you, and I avoid and I avoid what might have been unpleasant moments. It takes some work but I've decided it's worthwhile to do. Immediately you can see the problem here. Might have. The word might have. How do I know those moments would have been unpleasant? Maybe we could have learned each other's sense of humor in those moments, and we could have had countless hilarious moments together instead. Guess we'll never know, because I chose the immediate, the immediate comfort of avoiding you instead. The long-term consequences here are also interesting. My momentary comfort requires effort. It's awkward as fuck when I can't avoid you. Ever seen an angry ex at the grocery store? That experience is equal parts awkward and hilarious. So already my life is a little more closed off. Maybe I have to avoid that grocery store, which, you know, is pretty unreasonable. And this is arguably bad. My life also requires this little extra constant effort, and that effort is built on the idea that you are a bad person, and you're out there waiting to ruin my day. That doesn't seem like a great way to live. It's not a, a great assumption to keep in your mind all the time. So my lifestyle becomes like a little scared child, running around with my hands over my eyes, hoping I don't see something scary. Cool adulting, bro. This perspective is so pervasive now, and passed off as empowerment, no less. And it's simultaneous, simultaneously so immature, I can hardly stand it. Let's extrapolate this and get ridiculous. What if we all did this with all unpleasant stimuli in our lives? Fire burns, so I'll just avoid that forever. One time water made me choke, so I won't drink water anymore. Exercise is uncomfortable, so I'll just put on my blinders when driving past the gym. I got in an argument with my spouse yesterday. 
so I'll just try to avoid her for the rest of my life. What if no one ever had the guts to confront something unpleasant? Nothing creative would ever happen, innovation would grind to a halt, charities would disappear overnight. Mother Teresa would have just put her fucking feet up. This is childish thinking. It doesn't belong in adulthood. I'm not saying the person you hate needs to become your best friend. All I'm saying is this. What would happen if you approached this situation with some positivity and thought, how can I make this better? What would happen? I've been a chronic asshole. I spent years living like that. It was fun coming out of it when I realized that if I brought something different to an interaction, I'd get something different back. Many of the toxic relationships I ended up I, and I had ended up becoming great friendships and working relationships. If I'd behaved like a child, hiding from the issue and suggesting it was someone else's problem, I'd give up all of my power to change that problem. Isn't it a little more grown up and noble to accept some responsibility and do whatever you can to fix something? Wouldn't it be better if your life wasn't a series of grocery stores to avoid, but rather a bunch of pleasant interactions waiting to happen? And here's a little aside that I don't have in the article that I'm reading here, but a little more personal experience from me. Uh, I did. I I lived years like that where I was surrounded by assholes, and I was secretly the asshole the whole time. And it was surprising to me how easy it was to change that state once I realized it. I spent so much time figuring, trying to figure out how, why others would be so unpleasant with me. And when I eventually saw what I was doing, what I was bringing to the table, and I did just bring something different, just even a different greeting, or I was a little more charitable with my opinion of them, or, uh, you know, I just, I smiled at them instead of looking away from them, or whatever it might have been, I got something totally different back. And what I may have considered bad relationships, or just even, you know, uh, just not being on good terms with colleagues, or whatever it might have been, like just overnight, those those relationships changed. So it's not as though you get to a point where it's it's too late. You know, maybe there are certain situations where that's that applies, but in my case, that wasn't the case. All right, next section, CBT. I think it's sad and funny that so many common sense motivational quotes are subtly destructive. The idea that one needs to cut toxic people out of their life is a prime example. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, CBT, which I consider life-changing in addressing anxiety, depression, and probably a few dozen other things, requires you to confront ugly thoughts. It requires you to slowly build a tolerance to stressful interactions, people, and situations. In doing so, your ability to deal with these things increases, your likelihood of becoming disturbed decreases, and your life gets bigger. You can go to any grocery store you like. The sad part is seeing the opposite in so much relationship or meme-based advice. Just walk away. Cut out toxicity. Blah, blah, blah. Most of my perspective in life is based on Batman comic books. For real. I asked myself, what would Batman do? It would make for an anticlimactic comic book, 
if Batman could be drained of his positivity and vital energy by someone not smiling at him, or being abrupt with him, or maybe even behaving toxically, whatever the fuck that means. Batman would just have to stay in bed and put on Netflix and hide under the covers. It's a funny visual. I wish I had a good visual for that. I don't know about you, but I can't see Batman doing that. I'm pretty sure Batman, who is hands down the best superhero, does the opposite. He goes out looking for the toxic shit, and he fixes it, because he's a responsible adult. It's a pretty simple concept. The more you can tolerate, the broader the scope of experiences you can have in life. The broader the scope of experience, the broader the scope of good experiences. As an example, if you find hot weather intolerable, you may stay inside whenever it's hot. As such, your ability to tolerate the heat goes down, and being out in the heat is no longer an option for you at all. You never liked it in the first place, right? So who cares? Now that you can't go out in the heat, there's a massive list of things you'll never be able to do. Friends want to go to the beach? Nope. Golf? Nope. See the Grand Canyon? Nope. You just close yourself off to dozens of amazing experiences, social interactions, and so forth. You made life smaller. But what if you'd done the opposite? What if you decided your ability to tolerate the heat was a problem, and you realized it would limit your life? What if you decided to build your heat tolerance? This is totally possible with graded exposure. Over time, you go from thinking 26 degrees Celsius is uncomfortably hot to thinking 36 degrees Celsius is uncomfortably hot. All this through the power of not being a child. By confronting the issue and setting out to solve it instead of hiding from it, life can become better. By confronting a toxic relationship and setting out to make it better, you can make life better. Instead of just awkwardly hiding from that person forever, you can have a rich, new experience. As another aside here off the script, I keep referencing this idea of making life bigger or smaller. Uh, what I'm talking about there is is kind of possibility, and with possibility, uh, the opportunity for excitement and experience. With the heat example, we can kind of illustrate that being able to tolerate more heat just obviously means you can experience a wider variety of experiences if you want. But that expands to include many things. Like the first time someone does a hard squat workout, most people hate that. It's not it's not fun per se the first time you do it unless you have special circumstances. But over time, that same hard squat workout can become the most rewarding thing in your day. And it can be something that you look forward to. And I'm speaking again out of personal experience here. But that can be something kind of meditative and transformative and something that grounds you and something that gives you perspective. And it's something that you will not get to if you allow life to shrink over time. If you, if you embrace this kind of expanding life, look for a bigger life that can include more things and more people and more different experiences, you, it's hard to tell what you're going to like and what you won't like, but at least you're giving yourself the chance. That's what we're getting at there with, with bigger or smaller life. 
All right, part three or D or whatever we're on here. Practica. Alan Watts describes different forms of the Buddha in his lectures. In particular, he describes a Buddha that leaves society and one that returns. Many of us have harbored this fantasy of, of becoming the Buddha that quits society and goes to live in the forest. We could be peaceful then, tranquil and happy and stress-free. If only we could get away. Watts describes the Buddha that does this having secured a certain spiritual attainment. By going off into the woods alone and spending time alone, we can really connect with the nature of being and learn about our self. True. Watts goes on to describe a practica Buddha, the Buddha who returns to society after his time in the woods. This Buddha has the spiritual insights, knowledge, and peace, and he brings these things back with him to the everyday world. This Buddha, as Watts says, is considered to have reached a higher level of spiritual attainment. But why? We may dream of being the Buddha that can leave everything behind, but that's a false goal. The real beauty wouldn't be in enjoying circumstances only when they're perfect. The real beauty lies in enjoying the circumstances regardless of what they may be. In other words, if you can be enlightened and experience equanimity in the woods versus in rush hour traffic, which is more impressive? If the inner feeling is the same in each, the experience is the same to you. This ties in nicely with CBT and the idea of keeping toxins around. The goal in life shouldn't be avoidance, it should be inclusion. If I'm truly centered and spiritually accomplished, shouldn't I be able to talk to an unpleasant person without getting my hackles up? Avoidance may be an alluring option, but it's not the best long-term plan. It's not even an admirable target. The admirable target is the Batman Buddha, who can scrape his knee and save the day and deal with the Joker without it ruining his day. You know, actually, I think Batman probably feels pretty awesome after having a day like that, as another aside. Just putting myself in his bat boots for a second. I think if, yeah, if you started out spiritually sound, scraped your knee, dealt with Joker, saved the day, you'd feel pretty good, I think, toxins and all. I write about this because I've wrestled with this idea quite a bit. The more push I see to cut people out, exclude people, and close off life, the more I feel we're doing ourselves a disservice. I feel that this disservice extends to the people we label as toxic, too. You may not have any compassion for people in your life with this label, the toxic people, but let's call a spade a spade here. If I label someone toxic and cut them out, I'm either hoping someone else fixes the problem or I'm writing that person off entirely. Writing a person off for the rest of your life or theirs seems like a pretty big leap. Are they really so toxic? There was a time in my life when I feel I could have been the most the toxic person to others. Then, I woke up to how I behaved every day. As I reformed the way I live, I had people in my life who hadn't written me off my great friends, and my great family. 
they knew I had faults and they stuck with me through them. What if all these people had written me off? Would there be a way back to being a protective, happy person if everyone in my life had decided and told me I wasn't worth the effort? I doubt it. I'm not saying we all need to be martyrs, suffering to fix one another. I don't think it's asking too much to make each other stronger, to confront issues rather than avoiding them, and to put in a little effort to lift each other up rather than writing each other off. It sounds cheesy and corny and sappy, but I don't know where the alternative goes. First off, we'll all starve to death from having to avoid every other grocery store. Oh, sounds funny. Secondly, I have to think our collective quality of life and interpersonal health will suffer. I think the system of cutting off and writing off toxic people only makes more toxic people. I think this system only makes people more toxic too. I don't see how that's a good thing, even if you successfully avoid these toxic people for the rest of your life. I'm all for people doing whatever they'd like to do, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. I think most people are on board with this perspective. We may need to expand what hurt really means though. Sure, there's direct harm. Couldn't there also be the harm of omission and exclusion? Aren't we harming those people that we label as toxic and cut out? I'd hate to see people, peop, see people moving in the right direction by cutting out people and labeling them as toxic, only to leave the true poison in their lives. What if the attitude towards others, towards strife, and our problems is the real poison? And that's the end of the article right there. A few additional thoughts I'll add to this just because it's got my mind spinning on, on, on the topic again. Uh, you can definitely have, I mean, like, there's definitely people that are not going to be worth the effort required to, you know, to, to, to continually include them in your life at the very least, but maybe to help them or to mend that relationship or whatever. There are people that it's just going to require too much effort to do that, and maybe you can't do that right now. You don't have the available effort. Um, to participate in that act. Well, that's fine. I don't think that we should glorify that, though. You know, if that's... Um, if I don't have the tolerance to keep someone in my life, you know, whether they're an asshole or not, you know, that's a shortcoming of mine. That's, that's an intolerance that I have. It's an inability to tolerate someone else that I have. It's not a, it's not a great thing. It's not something I should be happy about or proud about. I, it, I I should be much more proud to keep these people in my life. Even if I'm not contributing to them, you know, feeding into a better relationship with me or being a nicer person or whatever it might be. At least I can keep them in my life. At least I can be that person that can tolerate them and not have them ruffle my feathers every time I talk to them. That, that'd be a bigger win. And... If the alternative is just trying to avoid them all the time, we're talking about effort one way or the other. So why not apply a little bit of effort to keep them included rather than keep them excluded? Anyways, this is just one uh, of many kind of meme ideas that I'm seeing all over social media and on YouTube and all kinds of videos. And I'm worried that embracing 
this perspective on life ends up harming the person that's embracing it. You know, it's, it's like a snazzy supplement and a shiny bottle with graphs on there and everything. It's alluring. It's a nice appealing idea. It's simple. It promises comfort right away. And there's very little resistance to, uh, to using this approach, but doesn't that just make it a form of immediate gratification? I think so. Well, in any case, it's, it's, I mean, it, the people are case by case things and can't obviously speak to every relationship, but I think that relationships and people should be considered as you know, valuable things, inherently valuable things, even if that's a relationship with a stranger in traffic or something like that, because you don't really know how that's going to turn out. So maybe we should consider them inherently valuable until they're proven otherwise, and then we can decide case by case after that. Anyways, I would love to hear from you guys. If you liked this article, if you liked me doing the audio like this, please let me know, leave some comments, uh, get in touch through social, whatever you want to do. And I will talk to you guys again soon.